Welcome to Front Row Seat, where it's all about you because you're doing it. And uh, today I have a very special guest. I have today Saul Luttman. He is an artist, a philosopher, a consciousness explorer, an award-winning author. He also discovered a pioneer healing modality called Regenetics Method. He is also a longtime explorer of shamanism and spirituality. He wrote Callie the Destroyer. Snooze, a story of awakening, potentiate your DNA that is about the regenetics method. Uh, he wrote Conscious Healing, and he also wrote the Angels Dictionary. Welcome, Saul. Welcome to Front Row Seat. Oh, I love joining you in Front Row Seat. Thank you for having me, Cheryl. <laughs> so nice to be here. Here we are again. I know we're in our own little mystery science theater watching the uh, watching the the matrix, the simulation. We're sitting in the front seat, you know, commenting on the movie and making jokes <laughs> and, you know, just being completely irreverent. <laughs> That's how I feel like when we're moderating Jason's videos on archaics, you know, that we're just you and I are sometimes just off having a lark. It, it's almost like we take off into another dimension in there. And, and then everybody kind of starts getting it. It's like, oh, wait a minute. They're playing and having fun. Let's go. do. What are they doing? <laughs> That's right. I feel that too. <laughs> like these- Every once in a while, somebody, even one of the other moderators one time said uh, something like, uh, you know, it's time to be serious or something like that. And I said, why would I want to do that? <laughs> when we can do this? Well, you know, it is all about the vibration we carry. And that vibration is going out into that chat and it affects other things too, right? I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like, um, uh, you know, also I know that uh, Shiva Shampoo is kind of on that wavelength and Pamela is a little on that wavelength. And so there's there's enough of us who are really, you know, kind of goofballs in a good way. And, and and I don't mean that in any pejorative way whatsoever, but we're just not willing to take any of this that seriously because that's that's a danger zone. That's a red zone. It is. You can get too serious and then that can just kind of bog you down. But it's almost like if you just, you know, have this little bit of a playful vibration, it tends to help your creative abilities. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. I think play is is such a, a crucial part of, of being truly creative. I think it's a big element of it. And, you know, I just did a podcast yesterday where we really started playing on that podcast. It's a long a friend of mine and <laughs> it starts off, you know, really weird, but it's so playful. And uh, I think that bringing play back into the world and back into your life, all it's going to do, it seems like a scary risk to be spontaneous like that, but what it does is it brings, you know, relaxation and it up, uplifts your spirit to where you become a better created creator, right? Sure, sure. I think it also it also 
helps direct things towards a more playful, enjoyable outcome because our consciousness is what's being mirrored back to us. So if we're super serious, that's very close to being fearful. And, right. and if we are, and we're not willing to just be kind of like jesters in this crazy circus of a simulation, then we run the risk of being sucked in by the gravity of the situation. Yes, we do. And you know, you know, the world's just going to keep doing what it's doing. You know, it is, it is to me, a trainer that we're in. We're here to evolve and grow our consciousness. And we have to have a medium to do that in. And I think that's what we're doing here. And, you know, when the world just starts getting weird, the weird go pro, I heard you say that. I, I'm not stealing your comment. I just, you said that. And it, I, it just really, really made me laugh inside. Because it's a Hunter S. Thompson quote. Who? Hunter S. Thompson, the guy who wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and some other books. And so that's a very famous quote. Oh, okay. I didn't see that one. But when you said it, I that really one got me because that's kind of what's happening these days. You know, it's like it's it's a very dense thing that's happening. But then, you know, the weird ones like everybody in, in the archaics chat, we just the weird we're going pro and we're just, you know, living the way we we can make a better experience for ourselves and everybody around us. Honestly, we're we're totally going pro. I mean, Jason's in that same category and we're all here upping our game. A lot of us are monetizing various parts of our platforms and literally going pro, making money, you know, with our kind of craziness, you know, because people people need something different. They want some some different perspectives, you know, and it's a way that we can give back more fully to our audience and our community if we can be supported then we can be much more present. I know that I've, as I've felt more and more supported, I felt much more inclined to put out content, to engage my audience, to really be active in the chats and that kind of thing, because I, I feel like I want to give back. I'm very thankful uh, and I want to express that with, with content and with participation. And it is with, you know, that content participation, you know, because we've, as we talked about before with archaics, it's been kind of like a catalyst and it's like bringing, you know, all these different minds together and we can kind of see the thing from different perspectives and we're able to bring things out from the ether and bring it down into, you know, where people can get to the information that's going to help them get out of this serious mindset that's kind of come across the land, <laughs> right? Come across the land. Come across the land. It's not that we're making fun of what's happened. We're not. Um, we're doing what's necessary to get out of the mindset that we have fallen into. Absolutely. I mean, there is a, you know, I talk, I talk a lot about shamanism on these podcasts because I think it's a very necessary, oh, I say necessary, but it's a very helpful um, adjunct a very help, helpful supplement at the very least to a lot of the archaics data because the archaics data is looking at how we how we can survive and thrive in the simulation right and the the shamans that's really what they were studying is this exact subject matter so there's like a toltec technique where you just pretend to be someone else and you go out in public and you role play and you do it with such seriousness such such uh, effort and serious, you know, uh, attention to detail that you're you're really trying to fool yourself. 
And the point here is that you actually shape shift your reality by moving what the shamans call your assemblage point, which is kind of like the the projector of your reality. It's the projector of you and your reality in essence. So when you shift the assemblage point, you can really change the circumstances of your life. Even breaking pattern is one way of shifting the assemblage point. It's, it's very fascinating. And I, I, I imagine Jason doesn't know much about, about the assemblage point. Uh, and that's that's fine, but he got onto this idea that you could shift pattern and, and what from a shamanic perspective, what that's doing is shifting the assemblage point. Right, exactly. I was thinking that I was thinking that when you said that, I said, oh, that's breaking pattern. You know, the breaking pattern. Well, if you're we're projecting ourselves here, and then if we change the projection, we're going to get a different reflection. That reflection that's reflecting back to us, which we project ourselves here, then we see the reflection of that. And then sometimes we mistake that reflection for reality. <laughs> and when you shift it and pull it back into the foundational level of consciousness, um, that's kind of where I've come from. It. And, and then you're really starting to get on the front row seat of your reality. <laughs> yeah, right on. Yes, yes. I like yeah. that. Yeah, it's a great metaphor that you're working with there. I mean, because it really puts you in that kind of bird's eye space where mm -hmm. you can just see very clearly. And again, in, in this world of shamanism, when you study the Toltec stuff, Castaneda and other writers, seeing is so important. And actually these people are often called seers because they actually see what's going on. They can see the energy, they can see the patterns of energy, and they don't necessarily have to take drugs to do that. They can, there are all kind, there's all kinds of techniques that help you with that. And you can also mm -hmm. see through dreaming and, 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 and in other ways. Yes. It's very, very empowering and healing. It can heal trauma. It can heal disease. Going into these recapitulation modes where you, you see back into your past. Yes. You, like you, let's say you had a situation with a former partner, for example, and there's a way of doing a, a breathing technique and a visual a combined with a visualization called recapitulation, where you can sort of erase that memory from, from your energy body. It doesn't mean you can't remember it, but you actually take yourself emotionally out of it and you take back your energy, your, your luminosity. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it's, it's called erasing your personal history. Because it's erasing. no, because even though it's still a history, it's no longer personal to you because it no longer has any kind of emotional impact or traumatic impact on you. So it's like you're looking back and you are looking at it from a different perspective and kind of watching the scene in your imagination and then changing the components of it to where you are not, you're just a, you're just the observer. You're just observing it and you're not feeling all the things that went with it. And on the, on that part of it, I have done a couple of those things where I've gone back into my history. And then I see that's the thing, the tools of consciousness, imagination, intuition and empathy. I can use the Im imagination to go back to that those places. Um, it's usually memories that are very vivid. A lot of those have details in it to where something just was amiss, something was wrong. So your your mind just went note that <laughs> and then you can go back to those. And what I did is I went back to a couple of those. I looked at the situation and realized I had picked up a belief from a young mind's perspective. And that belief was not a correct belief. And it was affecting my life. 
one of my had is that girls can't make money <laughs> and that's not good. I needed to, you know, support myself and, and I'd gone to great lengths to be able to do that. And, and so I went back and I looked at that memory and I went, wait a minute, my young mind said, oh, girls can't make money. Then I had that belief and it affected, it was affecting my life. So I went back and like I was observer and I watched it happen. And then I stepped in as the adult <laughs> and told my young self, like, okay, I'm the adult now. Excuse me. What, what she's saying is that this is what it really means. So I'm not sure how that worked, but after that, everything started getting better. It was just like I went and reprogrammed a program that wasn't work functioning correctly in my simulation. How's that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. You did a kind of recapitulation on it because you just reset it and and uh, released. Obviously, it changed circumstances. I imagine it released energy back to you. Mm -hmm. and you used that in a productive way. It did. It this, this is it. not like a cookie cutter situation. There are many different ways of doing these types of things. You know, you could look at the recapitulation process as it's detailed in the shamanic literature and you could apply imagination. You're visualizing the scene, right? You're mm -hmm. intuiting maybe which scene to visualize. Mm -hmm. So that comes up into your mind. So there's your intuition and then you're feeling it and you're mm -hmm. doing a process and a visualization process. And then you're erasing it from your personal history. Yep. And, and I just found it. I didn't know that it would work. I just, I just had this memory that was really vivid, you know, and I, I, I'm in imagination a lot. And so I was just going, what is that? You know, <laughs> why don't, you know, why was that that way? And it felt weird. You know, there's a weird feeling around it, you know? And then when I went back and looked at it, it was like, I pulled this one thread and all this data dumped out. And, <laughs> and I, in that data dump that I got, it was like, oh my God, I could see where that one belief had affected a bunch of my experiences because I had that belief. Girls can't make money. So I had to learn. See, this is how it gets crazy. I had to learn in an alternative way to, to finance my life. I had to learn an alternative way without stealing <laughs> and without, <laughs> without taking advantage and without all of that stuff. And I did it. And it, it probably taught me a lot. And I may have put that challenge there for myself. Who knows? I mm. probably did since I'm writing the program. But it taught me that it's not just, you know, the the paper dollar. That, that's just a representation of it. It's about energy. It's about the energy of it and how you feel. And, you know, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing in your consciousness? If you're thinking negative thoughts and, oh, I don't have enough. Well, you're not going to have enough. <laughs> Right. That's right. That's right. I do mm -hmm. believe that will be mirrored back. Yes. And it all gets mirrored back. And it's, you know, I, I discovered that it was me doing it. I'm doing this. And then, you know, as you know, last time we talked, we got kind of got into those other areas of how is this coming about? You know, and I was curious about my reality and what was happening here, because I noticed then when I saw Jason with it's a reflection, it was like, Oh, that's what all that is. Then yeah. as you start, as I started working with it, then I found your work and you were talking about, are we the archons? That spin me out into another whole dimension. <laughs> and I, but I was able to roll in the, that I'm, I'm the programmer here. I'm doing the challenges and I'm doing that too. And 
you know, you'd say, well, I wouldn't do that to myself. But now that I look back at what I've gained from those challenges, I think I needed that. I needed to grow. And that's what helped me evolve. And I think that it's part of what you're doing right now in your um, your new book, um, Beginner's Luke. Is that the correct name? Yes, it won't be published, in, you know, until the fall, probably. Till the fall. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking, you know, the stagnation. If you're not, you know, if you're not, you know, continually evolving, that you go into the stagnation thing, right? And, and it kind of goes into death, you know, because you know, we're the creative creator and we are the creators. So if we're not creating, we're disintegrating, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's a, there's a tenant in, in this shamanic work. I keep tapping, you know, tapping into that because it's very important to me and it wicks into everything, but it's this idea of being a warrior that you have to actually be a warrior in your life. And essentially, a warrior is someone who is actively seeing or trying to see the, the world as it is and engaging it in a certain way to, to build power. You actually build power. And this is not necessarily a selfish thing. It's, it's actually a warrior's tenant because it is with power that you can do things. You can, and you can also hold off death and do various things with, with personal power. Otherwise, you do actually start to disintegrate and we look around us and see the kind of the, um, the the pathetic state of a lot of very, you know, of our elderly people these days who, you know, have been sort of sold, a, 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 you know, a, a certain package of what reality is. And, and then our society is kind of crumbling and they, you know, don't feel like they have anything to live for. And, and you know, these people are just people living their own lives. And this is, isn't um, a judgment so much as an observation. A lot of these people are not warriors or they wouldn't look and act that way at 70 years old or 75 years old. They're just simply not warriors. And you can see how that mindset has affected them in their lives. And I think it goes back to that, you know, personal power. It's kind of scary. And, and you know, stepping into the shoes of how powerful we are because we're creators here. And, you know, it's just, it's almost like an aphrodisiac or something to give that power away. So it's like, look, I don't have any power. So, you know, I'm not doing anything here. And if I don't have any power, then you can't have any either. And and so it's almost like there's this weird thing around power. But I think that that's part of being a creator. You need power to create the thing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I will go back to this notion that the power is, is, is multifaceted. It's powerful. It's empowering. Yes, it can also be addictive and there and it can lead you down dark paths like Sauron and the Lord of the Rings. I mean, he gets addicted to power and and, right. you know, and that kind of thing. Yes, there is a dark, potentially a dark side. There's a dark side to everything because we live in a dualistic reality. Yes, I think the dark side comes in, you know, uh, on my channel, I talk a lot about, about doing, you know, shadow work, and it's the fear work, and if you have still a lot of fears within you, but you've kind of developed the power side of you, well, then it can roll into, you know, the the ego piece, which is um, greed, and things like that, and, you know, envy, and that powerful state can really lead you astray. But if you've done some of that work, that inner work, and I've changed, oh, by the way, I've changed the word uh, fear from fear 
to dark uglies. So from now on, that's what they are. So, you've, you know, if you've got these dark uglies within your being, then these tools and these these things that we have at our disposal, that they are going, they can tend to go to the darker side and you're going to get negative manifestation from that. But if you have, you know, went searching around and, and pulled them little dark uglies out of there by the roots, then your manifestations are going to be much better because you're going to be in more of a mindset of uh, love and giving and caring about others and, you know, and cooperation, just like what we're seeing right now with this whole thing that's exploding out of our chaos. There's so many people that are cooperating together and we're doing great things, you know, especially over there at Discord. You would not believe what's going on over there. There's these like, I, I'm not real good at it yet, but I'm getting the hang of it. But people can go into these called breakout chat rooms and you can go in there and that's where everything starts happening. People are talking about what's going on, their consciousness. It's like, wait, this is a reflection. And they're really learning and they're really evolving really fast because they're getting the information. And because there's so many perspectives in there, there's a lot of information there to glean from to learn this stuff, right? Oh, that's great. Yeah, you were mentioning that in, email, in an email, and I found that fascinating because I haven't made my way over into those those breakouts yet. Okay. I, I did have something or a comment on your dark uglies concept. Sure. I have a, an amendment to the term. Or you do. A pro proposed amendment. Because if you, if you agree that these challenges are here to bring out the best in us, right? To evolve our consciousness right so so any anything might be described as a dark ugly but really it's an ugly duckling because <laughs> it has great beauty that it's going to turn into when it's properly processed oh my goodness say it again so the challenge is the dark ugly the dark ugly is really an ugly duckling that hasn't grown up yet hasn't hasn't gone through the transformation process Oh, that's a beautiful song. Can I take that? I'll, I'll credit it to you. <laughs> yeah, well, sure, of course, of course. I've got this hilarious. I'm working. It's really on... an ugly duckling. It's not a dark duckling. <laughs> that's right, just an ugly duckling. Well, it's this idea that even the fears aren't necessarily something to judge or run from. You know, we talk about shadow work. Recapitulation is a form of shadow work. Yes, so it's very important, and you were spot on that people developing power without having done the shadow work tend to go south with the power. They really, really do. They're, they're overtaken. Um, their ego absolutely uh, gets in control. And uh, I believe that e ego is potentially a very important spiritual ally. There's an article um, on my Snooze to Awaken website called Ego as Spiritual Ally. I didn't write it, but it's very beautifully written and well stated. So it's not, I'm not trying to denigrate this part of the psyche. I'm saying that it is, it's a defense mechanism. It, it is a wonderful teacher, but a terrible master. Yes, exactly. If the ego is, is if the ego is on the front row seat, you're going to get some, you're going to get some ugly ducklings. <laughs> you really, really are. So I just wanted to kind of expand, you know, maybe our thinking around that a little bit so that, um, you know, we're not. We're not uh, going into another kind of dualism with fear and love. People, it's very common for people to talk about fear versus love and all of that. Yes. 
First of all, I never really agreed with that opposition. I always saw shame as the kind of ultimate root of problems in our world, not fear. Fear grows out of shame. This is why we have the Adam and Eve story and the nakedness, and there's so many different uh, parts of this. It's why we have a fragmentary body in our energy field. It's specifically located in our sex chakra area. This is all about shame. On the yep. flip side, it's all about empowerment and stepping into um, to your power. When we've been talking about this, it's, it's the utilization of that Kundalini energy for life affirming activities, tremendous creativity, feats of courage and strength and and uh, valiance and all of these types of things. So, you know, again, we have to look at the the inverse of anything we would term negative, just like we did with the concept of archons and Lord Archon and all of that. What is the what is in there that is wanting to kind of be catalyzed uh, and transformed into something else? Into something that's more beautiful, like you know the growth of of, of an ugly duckling that becomes a beautiful swan. I mean, you just transport. Thank you for giving me that, Saul. I really appreciate that. That's going to really help um, a lot in my work. Thank you so much. Oh, cool. You know, cool. The, and, and the other thing I was looking at is, and you just brought it up, is the whole duality issue. You know, the duality issue. It, it seems like we live in a, you know, duality universe you've got night day sleep wake you know you've got all these things that look like a duality but the thing about it is i think that there's another thing that's past duality you know another state of consciousness that's not in duality where it's not black and white it's not it, it's like that area of gray you know where where all possibility lives <laughs> it's the create it's the created creating that we've been talking about it's this idea that that you know we are we're on both sides of the equation. So that means that we're also the equal sign. The equal sign is like the third term that unites the two the two sides of the equation, right? So right. and the sides are really transposable, you know. So they can they can go both ways. Like a, a good thing can turn into a quote unquote bad thing, and vice versa, because they're they're equal. It's all equal. That's why fear is you know, the, is the, the dark ugly is just the, is really the ugly duckling, which turns into the swan. So this, this whole mindset that I'm, that you and I are, are articulating here is very, very important because it's easy with anything, even with the archaics data to say, benefactor, good. Artificial intelligence X, bad. It's very, very easy to overlook the fact that they're probably exactly the same in a simulation and that if we think of them as good and bad, good and evil, then we are still in duality and we're not seeing the larger picture. That's what I was talking about, the duality. And in, in when you're in that duality, that's when you make enemies. <laughs> right. It's also when you limit your perception of a much greater reality right you know that it is whatever that is whatever that mysterious thing is that we are we keep talking about when we talk about what's outside the simulation or you know i i did a a, a post on my sub stack uh just a few days ago and it was a i was sharing a painting that i did toward the end of last year and, and the, the painting is called it's an abstract it's called 
a voyage of discovery. And my little tagline, the slug on the article was, you know, the way the way out is in. The and way out is that in. To this discussion. Yeah, the way out is in. That's a beautiful thing. And I have to tell you what happened. I saw that. <laughs> I was talking to uh, another person that, that I talked to you about in the email who had, you know, worked in the potentiation method, you know, and um, she told me a lot of things. And, and as I was talking to her, your name came up, of course, right? Your name came up. And then we were talking about how going in is the right direction. And, and we're all just, you know, we just end up going the wrong direction a long time until we figure out, oh, we have to go the other way. <laughs> and, right. then after, and we were talking about that very subject. And across the top of my, you know, how your, your emails come in, it was your email. And then it said, the way out is in. And we both just died laughing. It was so funny. It was synchronistic. <laughs> Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. I'm glad somebody got it. Sometimes I feel like I'm creating on an island, but thank you, Carol. <laughs> well, I got it in a big way because it was just doing exactly what I was doing. And, it, and it, then it made both of us laugh. So here we are in a good space again, right? Playful and all that kind of good stuff. That's right. That's right. But the way out is in, you know, and I think that it, for me, a long time, I didn't know there was an in. <laughs> you just... You, you think that every, you know, your reality is just outside of you out here in this physical world that we can see, smell, taste, touch, you know, you don't know that there's a complete inner landscape that has, you know, imagination. Well, I knew about imagination, but I didn't see it as going in, you know, but then when you really think about it, you are going in and, and that ties in with consciousness and, you know, what it is, is, you know, <laughs> When you go in, I think the main tools of consciousness is empathy, emotion, imagination, and intuition. And I think with those three tools, you can get anywhere in here And because it's at, you're at the foundational level of consciousness. So all of consciousness is the foundation. It's what's real is non-physical. Then the physical world, all of this stuff out here that's not real, it's did I say that right? <laughs> I got a tongue twister going there. <laughs> the part that's non-physical is the real part. The part that's physical is the not real part. I like that. Yes, that's that's very close to how I understand things. I mean, real is a funny word, right, in any of this, because, if it, you know, really, I, I come back to this notion that if, if God or the oversoul or the creator source is really the infinite mind if we're talking about mind it's very hard for me to to believe in the existence of an actual physical reality because it's all part of the mind so it might look super convincing it might it might have proof after proof after proof redundantly and yet still it might not actually be material right and and, and if it's non-physical you can't use anything physical to describe it, right? Right, right. yes, of course. I mean- Well, the scientists I mean, are still trying to describe it. it. They, go Sorry. ahead. I said the scientists are still trying to describe it and they still can't. <laughs> well, what's funny is that you have all of these different theories of yeah. reality from the scientific perspective and they're all just a bunch of just mumbo jumbo and hocus pocus and they all disagree with each other i mean I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm conversant in a lot of these theories whether we're talking string theory or whatever i i get what they're saying i'm just saying 
it's a bunch of bullshit mostly <laughs> it just is and it's an observer based construct and they're they're feeding that in it's being the evidence is being fed back to them. It's exactly the same thing in biology. And when we talk about what causes illness and the big V word or, you know, all of that stuff, it's exactly the same. We are getting back what we're putting into it. And until you can, until people wake up to that fact, these people who are arguing about germ theory versus terrain theory or whatever, they're just going to keep butting heads endlessly until they realize that they're creating every bit of it. <laughs> right. I mean, this 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 conscious thing, it does have a sense of humor, doesn't it? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I don't know if you saw this little video I put up on my channel. I think maybe you did. Maybe you commented on it. I can't remember. I get a lot of comments, but it was yeah. turned to mirror. And and Say one again. Of, a little video on my channel called Turn to the Mirror. Turn to the mirror. Under the mirror, and it's, it's if you can't see what's going on, I can't see it for you. And it's got that image I mentioned. I think maybe the, the last time we talked about two people arguing over what these numbers were on the ground and, and, and it was what the number was. And it was a six from one perspective, but the other perspective, it was a nine. And they're sitting there like trying to, you know, say I'm right. It's yeah. six, nine, you know. And that's what we see over and over and over again, whether it's arguments about religion or science, uh, biology as a, as a subset of science, whether it's politics, uh, it doesn't really matter, even history to a certain extent. And I think Jason gets this to a very large degree because he understands the purely fabricated nature of the historical construct. And that last interview that we did on the simulacrum as a fictional construct got to the heart of this. Yes, it did. <laughs> there was a story that Joseph Campbell used to talk about, and it was this, <laughs> it was when the, the fool came into town, right? And the fool would come into town and the people loved the fool because he just had a great vibe and he was spontaneous and fun. And so the people would come out into the town square and line up up and down the road. And this fool would just prance up and down the road. But he had this hat on one side. It was red. On the other side, it was blue. So he would go down the middle of them, middle of the people, and he would get to the other end of it. And when he turned around, he would turn his hat around, too. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's and great. then when the fool left, then everybody would argue about whether the hat was red or blue. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly what we're talking about here. And people mm -hmm. just aren't willing to see it. They've invested too much. They've written books now. They've gotten followings, uh, large audiences, even the people who are, who you know, the terrain theorists who are going against the dominant narrative, you know, they, they were kind of outcasts, uh, you know, when the pandemic started, for example, because they had a very contrarian perspective. And I was, I was with them with that. And but over time, they've kind of reinvented themselves. And now they have audiences and people who are very invested in the terrain idea. And so all of the support is flowing to them. And, and they're just, you know, I would say they're unlikely to give it up. I have seen, for example, Dr. Tom Cowan dipping his toe into this idea that our history is false or fabricated and that, you know, resets and that sort of thing. I just don't know how far he will be willing to go because, you know, a lot of these people, you know, have really, have really invested heavily in this fight. They're really in the duality. 
I'm not, I'm not saying that any particular person is, I'm just saying you have to be to really be in that fight when you look at things from the simulation perspective. And that's why I got out of it. I wrote an article called, is the scientific method broken? It's on my Substack. I've mentioned it a couple of times. It is about this subject. I think I read that one too. <laughs> I've seen it my whole life, you know, two sides fighting, you know, and it's, it's because they're trying to get at the nature of consciousness and how this is all working through a physical means and it cannot be done and it won't be done. And the first person that I started listening to about this subject here was Tom Campbell. And he's talking about is consciousness is the foundation and we are it and we can't get outside of it to see it because we are it. And so, and we can't get to what it is through physical means you can't, we, we won't ever know exactly what consciousness is because we are it. We're consciousness. We're peace of consciousness. And, and that, that makes a lot of sense because when you try to get to it, it's just like, it's just like, you know, you think you've got something that's like ashes that just fall away because it's not anything close to reality. Yeah, it's the created creating again. We are consciousness <laughs> trying to understand that we're inside consciousness. Yes. <laughs> You see, it's got a sense of humor, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, oh, really it's funny. Twisted. It's twisted. It's a it's a fun <laughs> for sure. It's a twisted thing. It is. It looks so real. It's it, it's just the illusion is so convincing, <laughs> isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, we could we couldn't be in a simulation because of X, Y, and Z." Because you know, but I'm like, really? I mean, you, you know, you can see this chat GPT thing going on and mid journey AI art. And I, I don't believe in a real AI here either, but you know, I know Jason doesn't and I don't either. Um, uh, yeah. But what I am saying is that the technology is at such a level. If you don't think that we could at some point in time be neurally jacked into a network when they're coming out with all this meta and all this stuff, if you don't think it's possible to have a, a, realistic experience of a virtual reality you're like a luddite you should just go like start you know wearing uh you know throwing wooden shoes in the machine or something like that you know like the old luddites did in france they they were the the shoemakers who were making you know the the, the they were the um they were working in the in the the uh, industry when it began to change through mechanization and they they resisted that by throwing the the wooden wooden shoes and the machines and trying to break them and so they were just trying to resist the flow of what was actually happening and, and kind of ignoring it and try, trying to step back in time i've occasionally called myself a luddite because i'm not a big fan of technology so i, I do know the subject a little bit but what i'm trying to say is that it's happening and you can see it happening and to deny the possibility that at least the possibility that we might actually be participants in a simulation is just not really intellectually honest in my opinion given what we're seeing in the world around us it's basically it's basically a, a, i believe that it, it, that denial comes from different positions i think it's uh, at times it's fear based I think that that people, let's say, in the feminist movement are really invested in the body. So if the body isn't real, that's very, very troubling. I think there are lots of different reasons why people would kind of get into a freak out mode with that. But if they're in freak out mode, they're not thinking it through. They're not being rational. They're gripped by the shadow self and they can't yes. see at least the possibility. Yes, well, but it's moving in that direction. 
there's, you know, it's, it's coming out. It's coming out whether you want it to or not, because it's coming out. I've seen in a lot of places that the simulation theory is getting some momentum going because it's the only thing that explains what's going on and what's happening here. You know, the observer. It, it, OK, you can change the outcome of an experiment by just looking at it. The double slit experiment had never been explained until, you know, Tom Campbell started talking about simulation theory, you know, 20 years ago. And he was like, well, the double slit experiment, we've got a problem here. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that was around the time or maybe I know in the, in the 70s, Richard Allen Miller and some scientists, he's a physicist who's still around giving interviews and stuff. Great guy. I've, you know, been, I've published some of his articles. I have a couple of his articles on my Substack. One is called the, uh, a holographic concept of reality. And so, yeah, they were all over this, like in early 1970s. I mean, it's just kind of amazing to think about these guys doing mm -hmm. that. And at the time they were looking at DNA as a kind of holographic construct. They, they were using the term bio holography. In fact, one of the articles on my Substack by uh, by Miller is embryonic bioholography, and it looks at kind of how we could emerge holographically from the holographic union of a sperm and an egg, you know, and then what that would be like to grow and evolve as an organism holographically, and how we would actually function in a simulation as a hologram. As a hologram. Well, we probably are. I think we're made out of light. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's another, there's an article somewhere. Uh, I think it's on my Substack. It's, it's uh, about the body is, is made of and emits light. You know, I mean, this is, this is very well shown. You have, there's a Japanese scientist uh, back in the eighties. His name was, uh, I think his name was Hiroshi Motoyama. And he mm -hmm. was instruments to detect the light emitted by the chakras of these yoga masters mm -hmm. you know and they, they could do different exercises and it would shine brighter and all this kind of crazy stuff you know so absolutely i mean so people have been mystics have been onto this idea that we're you know we're kind of holograms for a very long time the the ancient term maya or illusion although there are differences of interpretation on what that means, but that's a very good example. It's this idea that, you know, we aren't what we appear to be, that we're some kind of facade underneath there's under, underneath that, who knows what there is, but at least the, the facade itself is very questionable in terms of its, its uh, materiality or its validity in that realm. Well, we might be consciousness. <laughs> There you go. There you go. I know it's it's a it's an easy term to throw around, and a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of different understandings of what consciousness is, and they love to confuse us with a bunch of theories about what it is. But, you know, I mean, ultimately, I believe it's a type of self-aware energy that is creative. It's very creative. <laughs> well, I think it's that's the foundation of it that it's creation itself. Yes. Yes, that is the That's energy. That's what I'm coming to. That's where I'm going with it because I I just nothing else is it makes sense. Um it, because the corollary of that Cheryl is that everything is consciousness, right? If it is creation, not just the act of creation, but if it is creation with a capital C, then everything is consciousness. Even unconsciousness is consciousness. I call yes. a lot of, 
I call a lot of these NPCs wandering around, you know, getting jabbed and doing all this just <laughs> stuff. I call them the consciously unconscious. That was yes. out, that was out of beginner's loop too. It's another one of those terms. Yes, that's consciousness too. It's just playing a part. <laughs> yep. It's playing a part to freak everybody out. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I know that uh, even the archaics material has kind of touched on this in shamanism. These you know, quote unquote, unconscious people, the masses, the herd, the sheeple, the normies, whatever we want to call these, these folks, they act as a kind of buffer. And they're, they're like, I don't know how any other way to put this. They're like bait to attract the, the AIX or the Lord Archon or what call the flyers, whatever this, this, this adversarial predatorial aspect of the simulation is their bait that protects the errants and the warriors from being singled out for attack they're like a fade like they okay they move that way and whatever it is it gets them yeah they're like a little school of fish and then the big shark that's our, our our you know aix goes after them and then we swim off in these crystal clear blue waters you know well no it's a way for you to figure out which way to go See, because whatever they're doing, you know, we can observe that and go, wait a minute. I, I don't I need to go some a different way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, like, well, maybe like, it's our oversoul letting us know it's like that's not the way to go. <laughs> don't do that. Look what they're doing. <laughs> it's, to, it's, it's to come back and give us information that. so we don't go. So we don't do that to ourselves. <laughs> it's uh, just funny. I had a conversation maybe with Jason in that last interview where. <clears throat> we were talking about the news and kind of reversing everything. I do find that staying abreast of the mainstream news is helpful in this way. I know that whatever the reporting is about 180 degrees off. So I can actually figure out what's going on in the simulate in the simulation anyway, yes. by just reading everything backwards. It's true. I do the same thing. That's why I'm, I can't help it. I'm turning around I'm laughing because, I do the same thing. I'll read something and, and I, I learned to stay aware of what's happening because I had an experience where I went out to this grocery store. And I mean, the 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 vibes coming out of there when I walked in was so oh, overwhelming. And I ended up kind of getting lost in the store where there had been just a news article on that was, you know, stirring the pot, you know, and everybody was running around with their hair on fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. And I didn't know. So I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really realize it until it kind of got on me. You know what I mean? And, and it was like, what in the world? And so I came back home and then I, I called my girlfriend. I said, I just had the strangest experience at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, oh, Cheryl, it's in the news. And, you know, everybody's going to, you know, have something bad going to happen again. You know, I was like, oh, so now I just kind of look over at it, you know, okay, what, what's, what's and, and that's what I do when I look at it, it's like, okay, that's not what's really going on. You know, it, you got to flip it around 180 degrees and that's kind of what the gist of it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a good tool actually. So it's a service. It's a, one of those funny things. It's like a dark, ugly, that's sort of a, you know, an ugly duckling. You can right. just, you know, there's so much here that is of beauty and of value when we look at it differently or utilize it differently changing our perspective <laughs> absolutely
looking at it a different way, you know, and you was able to, you know, help me shift a little bit of this, you know, I know that, <laughs> you know, I thought that dark ugly was better than fear. That word itself provokes, you know, feeling in it, right? And so I, I was trying to get away from the feeling around that specific word. And now you fixed that for me. I appreciate it, Saul. You're so awesome. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> and thank you so much for doing that. And this whole empowerment, you know, it's just a it's just a process. And, you know, if we can just look at it at our reality and know that this is it's just so we can learn and evolve and so that we can keep evolving and be the created creators that we are and and that everything's okay because we're immortal. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we're gonna we're all of our avatars are gonna die, every one of them. It doesn't matter how much kale you eat, you're gonna die too. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Uh there's a I forget who who said this it i don't know if it, it could have been red fox or somebody like that but he said something like you know it's one of these days all these people who are really into health food are going to be you know lying around hospitals dying of nothing <laughs> I nothing. oh my gosh and you know in in that vein of that you know um we formulated this huge fear around death, you know, because we don't see it around us. And, and now there's this huge, huge, ugly duckling around it. Right. And so I, I like the way the shamanism sees this as, as death as a teacher, you know, because as you start getting closer and closer to death, well, it becomes a teacher. You know, how am I going to live today? What am I, I want, you know, you, you've got a, so much time, how am I going to live this day? Am I going to live it to its fullest? Am I going to be cooperative and giving and caring of others and uplift and, you know, be all I can be? Or I'm, am I going to sit here and worry about what's going to happen in the future? That's right. You know, if, if you're a warrior, nothing can light a fire under your ass like death. Right. It's, it's, you know? it's, it's not doom. It's, a, it's another teacher, another Yes. Another thing we got going on here that that teaches us a lot, you know, and and to have fear around something that is a natural thing that we do, that's just setting yourself up for a bad deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I know that um, with, I mean, death is is hypothesized to be various things in in the in the Toltec tradition and no one has a definitive answer because it can be anything but it's it is it is always regarded as um you know as a, a very important teacher in a society where we're under a kind of mass hypnosis and everyone's acting as if they're going to live forever and that they have all the time in the world and they can sit around watching sports and doing all these things all the time I'm not saying there's anything wrong with some recreational activity far, far, far from it. But I am saying that people aren't, they're not utilizing their time in the highest and best ways for the most part. They're just not, or they wouldn't be doing these things. And these industries wouldn't thrive, the entertainment industry, and especially the, the, the way all of that stuff has degenerated so that it's not even artistic anymore for the most part it's it's um 
it's soul sucking. It's absolutely uh, awful. So it's like people sp spending time and perhaps money to go into a situation that's just going to drag them down and put them to sleep. Put them to sleep. Yeah. Sleepwalking. <laughs> it is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But really, the only thing that can wake you up is you. You know, the idea that we actually wake other people up, I think that's giving ourselves way too much credit. That's some serious spiritual importance. And this is coming from a guy who subtitled a novel, A Story of Awakening. All right. So, you know, but I didn't say that, you know, that that character was awakening other people, that it was just about his awakening. Right. So, right. Right. Uh, um, anyway, we don't really wake other people up. People turn on when they're supposed to. Uh, or when they're able to, and they begin to look at life more as a warrior. And that's, mm -hmm. that's it. That's it. Because what you see when you open your eyes, even if you're able to see beauty, you're also going to see all of the ugly ducklings in this, this uh, construct. And when you do that, it can absolutely put you right back to sleep because it's very disconcerting and depressing <laughs> when you first <laughs> see all of that. So I understand. I understand why people would be asleep. There's this idea that uh, warriors versus normal people, normies, that they both use shields. This is a fascinating concept that comes out of the Castaneda books. They've used shields to protect themselves from their death, from 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 that that um, from what might take their life. Right? For the warriors, they're using different types of consciousness techniques. And the main thing they're doing is they're using objects or memories that give them joy in a sense of being in a good place. And they use that when, when they're confronted by a, a dangerous being, a spirit being, or some situation, they use that to actually solidify themselves in, in this construct, kind of holographically, you know, bring the light back together and, and be strong, use the force. And right. they're, they're conscious about that. Other normal people, they also have shields, and their shields are Monday Night Football, mm -hmm. Super Bowl, uh, Beyonce, uh, you know, Jay Z. That all of these absolute distractions are what keep them from looking at their death. Because if they're not looking at their death, then perhaps it will leave them alone. And it actually does because it will, because they're no longer, this is almost back to the archaic uh, uh, AIX thing. I'm not equating AIX and death, but I'm saying there's a similarity in how they let people go when they're no longer a threat. So in this case, the normies are not a threat at all. And they're, you know, their death just kind of says, I'll get around to you in good time, you know, but for now, you're not a problem. Well, it's bait. <laughs> Hey, yeah, chum. Hey, got some chum, chum in the water. Chum in them waters. Chum the waters. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take the bait. It's not what it is. No, no. And, you know, and then, it, and, and I saw this a lot when I worked as a nurse. It would be like just shocking that something happened, you know? <laughs> and it was, it was, it had a sad element. And then I would, I would be, working with someone who's fixing getting ready to do their transition work and you know there would be a family member sitting there that was just be, they couldn't function you know and it was like 
well, I don't know what planet you've been on, but we die here. <laughs> this is what we do. And yeah. I mean, I didn't say it like that. Um, I would, but it was just amazing to me how just the, the despair of it was just so deep. I was just kind of, man, I, I didn't understand because, but I had seen it several times. I know it's happening. It's coming, you know, whether you want it to or not. And I always, you know, thought about it as a beautiful thing. Because, you know, usually by the time you're getting ready to transition, your avatar is wore out and you need to go get you another one. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they're going to be a baby soon. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I certainly understand, you know, having lost both my parents and, and some other people that I really cared about. I, I do understand how intense that can be and, and mm -hmm. very, very challenging. I think it was a lot worse when I was younger. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what it would be like to lose a child or something. I mean, I, I can imagine a lot of situations that would be truly, truly devastating. Uh, right. I'm not talking about those. You know, I'm talking about yeah. end of the life where and, and their avatar is completely broken. It, it will not work anymore. You know, yeah. that, that yeah. that's what I'm talking about. I, it is, it is painful when someone crosses over. You're right. Yeah, it's really interesting. It gets back into seeing there are, are there are a couple of stories in the Castaneda books where Don Juan talks about losing family members. And one of them is his his son died in a like a rock slide in a kind of uh, work accident and his body was crushed. And the way he processed that was even though he was there, he shifted his attention to the, the third attention and was able to see the energy leaving his body, but he didn't see it from a human perspective, he was actually able to just watch the energy and it changed the way that that memory stayed with him and it didn't have to be so painful. It was a very interesting technique um, for doing that. And then with his parents who died, they were Indians, Yaqui Indians, and they died uh, at the hands of the Spanish during some, some wars or some, some battles or some territorial uh, uh, issues. They, they died um, when he was very young, and he tells the story of of going, you know, becoming a warrior, becoming a, a a man of knowledge, a seer, all of that, and erasing his personal history, going through, you know, basically recapitulation types of events, to the point that what he was left with was not the sadness that they had died the way they had, which was horrific, but that they hadn't lived as something else. He says they, they were Indians and they died as Indians. And, he, you know, he's talking about people who are very downtrodden uh, by by the colonial powers and that kind of thing. And obviously mm -hmm. we can agree that that's not a great situation. But he was saying that all of us are born into adverse situations. He would he would have hated all these victim politics and this kind of thing right now because he would say, look, I was born in a poor Indian. I used to, you know you know, be a hungry child, you know, living on the streets and that kind of thing. And, and then I became something else. And everybody has that ability to become a warrior. And his only sadness was that his parents had not become warriors in their own way. Right. Right. That they had died the way they did. Yes. When they, when that wasn't, they didn't have to do that. Nobody has to do that. He's basically saying that we are super, super powerful and we can construct our reality and we can choose our death. And, and 
We can choose how we live and we can choose how we die. We can choose it all. Exactly. Exactly. It's very, very powerful and beautiful when looked at in that way. It is. That is very beautiful, Saul. And well, we're writing the program for our creative endeavors here, right? Right on. We're writing it. Absolutely. Very actively, whether whether we know it or not. That's the funny thing. <laughs> Either we're doing it consciously or inadvertently. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that, you know, that movie, like the 13th floor, you know, how all of that programming is going on and how they're thinking about, you know, what they're doing this time and then and then, you know, getting data from another time. Right. And it's going back and forth. And I've been thinking about that lately about, you know, as, as I went into, well, I'm probably programming my challenges too, because who knows me any, any better than me. Right. So I know what experiences I'm going to need to get me into the evolutionary process because I do have, you know, everybody has their places that they, they get kind of stuck in. That's where the challenge is at. Right. And I was thinking the other day um, that as we're, you know, working with these powers of consciousness that we have and intuition and how we can pull information from somewhere else, right? And I was thinking about this. I, I think that I'm pulling information from my past lives. I know that sounds crazy, but I have found a couple of my previous selves and the people that were around me in those previous selves are around me in this life. And there's too many coincidences. They look the same, you know? And it's like, okay, I'm pulling information from somewhere else. And then I started to realize, I think that's where I'm getting it from. It's from my previous lives. Then I can use that information in this one to help me along my evolutionary path. Now, I don't know if that that's what most people are doing. I don't know, but I think that's what I'm doing. And I think that you've been pulling information out from somewhere too, right? Because you kind of downloaded Callie the Destroyer. Yeah, I did. I mean, I sort of downloaded Snooze, downloaded Regenetics. You know, I I don't really take credit for any of that because I know it didn't come directly from this avatar. It just didn't. So what if it was your 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 one of your past lives, right? That and then you or you you added up all of the lives, you know, then it it's just an information block, right? And it has all of the information of all the lives you've ever lived like a past database. So then you're go and then it, ha it has a lot of information in there that's not here in this life. So you're just going and getting it. And it's just, there it is. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's this concept of the, the Akashic record or the ether, yeah. that sort of thing. Now, here's what I was given to understand with, re with regenetics. Regenetics is these vowel codes. So potentiation is the first activation that you've experienced. And it was the series of vowel codes I was given to understand at the time, this was years ago, I mean, we're talking two decades practically now, um, maybe a little more than that. Anyway, don't wanna do the math. I was given to understand that those codes were not in the Akashic record. They came from outside the Akashic record, that the Akashic record is actually local to this simulation, that we, we can access other Akashic records and there's probably a kind of networking of the Akashic 
but that the so if you want to see that as a kind of networked uh, information field outside of this, but so so that but I I wasn't really full into simulation theory at the time. So now I interpret that to mean that those codes came from the quote unquote reality that's outside the simulation. And I also had this idea that I was in touch with my higher self to receive those codes. So what if that's the me that's either jacked in or that is programming the simulation, literally maybe sitting at a keyboard or the equivalent <laughs> with my my May tablet or whatever those were called for the, you know, the the Anuna had, you know, I've got my little tablet with my beard and I'm, you know, you know, tapping away. Who knows? So it was very fascinating that to me that I had all of this, these intuitive hits on where this this information was coming from back then and now it still makes sense from a simulation perspective and we can even talk about things like you know the ether and that sort of thing as being maybe maybe what's outside the simulation or you know some other part of this simulation i mean it doesn't really throw any of those those concepts out the window it nuances them right i agree <laughs> because i know i'm getting data somewhere from outside of myself i know that i am because i know things I'm I'm intuitive and I've told people things about things that there's no way I could have known. There's not any way I could have known that information, but I had it and I felt it. I don't know you know, if I was reading their biofield, but I was getting it from somewhere. And then the information that I've been able to get from uh, about other things about, you know, people I may have been in the past uh, and then finding people I've worked with in this one and there is a different vibe about when I meet these people it's a completely different vibe usually the vibe is there's that initial meeting and then there's this you know awkward little thing of oh hi I'm here to, hi you know, what's going on but with this thing it was just instantaneous oh my god this great feeling would come over me and it would be like there you are it was a completely different feeling than when I normally meet someone I've never met before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, your stories are fascinating. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, divulge anything for fear of uh, overstepping my bounds, but yeah, what you shared with me is really just absolutely fascinating. I, you know, and, and, and then, and I think that I need to focus on me being here now, right. And my, my life and what I'm doing in this one, I do need to focus there. And I agree. And I think that it, it, it come about partially because I had a near death experience when I was seven. I think that if you have a near death experience, I think it thins that veil. And I think it makes it easier for you to get over there and look, you know? Absolutely. I mean, the shamans would say that probably shifts your assemblage point. Yes. It makes and it more malleable, more, more adjustable. So I'm able to adjust something because I got in there and got some information that I shouldn't have been able to get. And then when I met these people and then, you know, it was just, I think that that I'm not supposed to be able to feel the feelings that I felt from when I knew them before. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like you're, you're, uh, you didn't have a complete memory wipe. Right. So then when I met these people that I've worked with before, it was just this overwhelming sense of love. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, I've never met this person. Why do I feel this way? <laughs> and <laughs> it's only crazy. happened. It's only happened like, like seven times so far, seven times. 
You're one of them. <laughs> I'll admit it. Uh, you're very, very sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I have that. I have a very, I had a very strong intuitive connection with you immediately too. So I don't have some of the other experiences that you have to, to plug into the database there, but it did feel very, um, uh, odd, very, very rare, you know, odd, not in a bad way, but just not, yeah. not every day type of occurrence. And so I had to think about it. It's like, I know I need to do this a lot, but I need to think about this because it was, it was a weird thing, right? Because I was like, why do I feel this way? Does this person know? Oh my God. Got, oh, this is really strange. And as, as I was, was having this just overwhelming feelings about, <laughs> and it was, it was cooperation and just ad admiration for the, this person, you know, and and as I started looking and I looked at who it was and then I was able to get a hold of some letters that they had wrote back and forth and then it all made sense. I went, oh, I loved you a whole lot last time I knew you, you know, and one of them was someone that was my mentor in my last life and I learned a lot from them and I was able to grow a lot. And then they showed up in this life at the same age. I was 56 in my last life when they showed up. And I was 56 in this life when they showed up. Same exact age. I was I was born right around the same time. You know, I'm I'm a cancer sun sign. I'm a water sign. And it was the same thing. There were so many coincidences in it that there was <laughs> either somebody's a good programmer and could put all that in there. I don't know. But all I know is everybody looked the same. And there was a lots and lots and lots of coincidences there. And then it helped me to understand what was happening because I didn't understand what these feelings were. You know, it's like, I knew it was like, okay, I'm not like, it's not like romantic feelings. It's not like that. It's just like, it would be a, like a familiar type thing, like a love you would have for a brother or sister, you know, where you just, and, and one of your ones you really appreciated and really got along with well, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like a reunion. Yes. Yes. So it's not like meeting them for the first time. It was like a reunion. And, and then a bunch more coincidences happened again. Then I ended up in a complete another state and, and the, they was there too. And that's where I'm, you know, I, and I met them in these weird ways. So, and it was like, okay, this one is programmed. So this must've been programmed before I got here to, for it to all sync up like that, because there had to be some programming there. There's no way that could have been random. It is remarkable. I mean, I know your story enough to, you know, to, uh, to feel that there's some high strangeness going on there. <laughs> there's some high strangeness, Saul. What am I going <laughs> to do? And I can't talk to anybody about because they just, ooh, they can't talk about this stuff. Yeah, it is weird, but it's, you know, you're not alone in that lots of people have reported these types of things, you know, uh, sometimes they get uh, made fun of. I know David Wilcock is always going on about being Edward Kate Edgar Casey in a past life. And I don't know, maybe he was. I mean, certainly there's a lot of facial similarity there. But uh, anyway, I we just I think we just have to speak our truth and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Well, I wasn't anybody really famous. I was just a nun. <laughs> I was a nun. <laughs> and I was terrible in this life. I tell you, I was, you know, not terrible. I, I just wasn't a nun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I did have a lot of these feelings like, oh, 
this is really way out there. I did have those feelings. I had the feelings of that, you know, in that last lie. I, I could feel that. I could feel that. And, and, you know, Tom told a story about, you know, there's, there's a, a way where you're not being the warrior, right? Well, if I don't play the game, I won't get hurt. It won't hurt. And I can just come here and I can just be a sweet little nun and I'll be kind to everybody. And then I'll help them when they feel bad or whatever, you know, but you're not out in the real world where the rubber meets the road, where that evolution can really kick in. Right. And so I kind of felt that way a lot of my life. It's like, my goodness, what is happening here? Well, if I'd been a nun in a lot of lifetimes, this this life here would have been a real weird mind bender, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to get out here and play the game and be the warrior so I can evolve and grow. You know, just like the monk that's sitting in a, a cave meditating. Yeah, they get really good at intuition and, you know, they, they can balance their mind and do all that stuff, but they can't interact with the real world and people out in it. Right? Right, right. You were, you were sharing with me, Cheryl, about, um, you know, recent shifts for you that do you feel like you're the rubber's meeting the road more uh, in recent recent times? Well... I don't mind if you talk about things I've told you about me in the past. I don't have shame around my life. I had to quit doing that. I'm here <laughs> and I'm vulnerable and I'm open. So if you yeah. want to talk about something that we've talked about, that's fine. It was specifically just about uh, in a positive way, just that you felt a lot more creative and that you were you were seeing things differently right now. And I thought that was very interesting. Well, what happened was. See, I I have pain in my upper. I had extra ribs. I was born with extra parts so I could have another challenge. See if I could get through <laughs> wow, it. So, wow. so it was like an intense pain thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I decided to get one of the most painful ones so that I just get it out and just do it, right? It reminded me of those Indians that used to like hang themselves from their... <laughs> oh, yes. And it was extra ribs. I had two extra ribs in my attached to my neck right here. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm a small lady, you know, and so there was no room for extra parts in there. So they had mm. to take them out. <laughs> so I, after that, I was pretty much invalid for about three years wow. and I couldn't do anything. I was done. So there's a lot of work I have to do to keep my avatar moving and functioning correctly. And you had been, I looked at your, you know, your book, the um, regenetics and the potentiation. And I was looking around that and I was wondering, huh? You know, I just have the urge to do it, right? So, I and see, that's what I think it is. See, I pro you probably helped me in the past somewhere, and you came and you helped me again. <laughs> so this is what happened. I sent you an email, and and the potentiation was the next day. <laughs> he said, "Wow, your timing's good." <laughs> oh yeah, the ceremony. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the. Well, I'm just checking in because I'm supposed to be here, right? <laughs> yeah. And so after that happened, I, I read the parts I was supposed to read, and then I'm supposed to, you know, relax and just get still during the potentiation ceremony. And y'all do those once a month, correct? Mm -hmm. And so I got really still, and I was just, I, I, I meditate pretty easily. So I just kind of went into, I would just went in and started, you know, kind of relaxing my mind and just letting opening my mind to what's whatever's coming. I didn't know what's coming, you know, it's coming, whatever it is. And I was just really relaxed. 
And and it was at the time I knew what time. So I did my process work before setting my intentions to receive whatever's coming. And I'm laying there and it was like an avalanche, not just a little bit. It was like an avalanche of energy rolled into my body. I'm still I'm getting goosebumps right now. (laughs) It rolled into my whole being, my mind everywhere. It was everywhere. And I was like, if this keeps happening, I'm going to levitate off this bed. This is this is really intense. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be flying around this room. Somebody's gonna walk in and freak out, you know. And I was just I was just going with it. I was like, well, whatever this is, we're going surfing. <laughs> we're surfing a wave of energy. That, and so I had my surfboard and I started surfing on this wave of energy. And all of a sudden, I clicked out. I was just gone, and I was gone for a long time. I wake up. Like three hours later, and I thought, what just happened? And then it all came back about my experience that I just had surfing on this wave of energy that rolled through my whatever. And I was I was thinking, now that was the strangest experience I've ever had. I'm not saying I didn't like it, but then after that, I got it the next day. I've had twice the energy that I've had. So I'm I'm kind of getting close to 60. I'll be 60 this year. And so, you know, through time, your energy kind of kind of wanes off a little bit. It's kind of normal. Well, from what I've experienced in my life, I know it's probably not what's going on. But I've had so much energy that I can barely sleep at night. I mean, look at me. I am just going. <laughs> I have all this energy. It's like, whoa. But I've been using it. I've been using it for the greater good. I've been going over to Discord and helping people in there. I talked to people for 12 hours yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> and then the right people are just showing up. My whole reality changed in a huge way. And then there was these other things that happened. I met this person and they were just, whatever you're doing, I don't know what it is. I want to be your benefactor. I want to help you create whatever it is you want to create and whatever it is you want to do. Because I've never seen this information, the information that's on my channel, Front Row Seat, correct? I've never seen this information in the context that you're putting it. You know, it may not all be right. I don't know. I'm just trying to, you know, give back and help and be, you know, and just live my life, right? I'm probably trying to be a nun again. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And that's what it feels like. It feels like I already know how to do it anyway. I might as well just do it. And because it does help others, I can't change them or fix them or I can't, you know, I can't change their ugly ducklings into anything. But what I can do is I can hold space. I can stand there and I can understand. And then that gives them, you know, um, that, that gives them the energy they need to do because it does take a tremendous amount of energy to do, you know, that inner ugly duckling work when you're doing it. And I've had all this energy. <laughs> That's great. So am I supposed to be doing something else with this? I don't know. It's well, I I look at that. Is that normal? I mean, that's cool. Do other people report this? Yeah, we we have God, so many people have had similar responses. I remember years ago, one of the funniest was a lady. She was um, she was even uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. I think she was probably in, in her sixties or early seventies and she did the potentiation. Her husband did not. 
and you know, and she had just all this energy. She was. He started complaining because for a few nights she was up like cleaning the house, vacuuming and stuff, like in the middle of the night and all this kind of craziness. And she was like, "Oh, this is just really, really bizarre." There was another another person um, who's actually a facilitator of the work who had these really bad allergies that. Uh, you know, hadn't cleared in potentiation, you know, so a lot of times these allergies will clear during the first activation. So she was like, that's kind of a bummer. And then she did the second activation and like the next day, all the allergies were just gone. So all these crazy, strange, miraculous, unanticipated things can happen, but but I don't know what's going to happen to whom. And I I don't presume to know. I have no way of knowing. And I, I really want to stay out of that because I don't want to have attachment or expectations around what's going to happen with people. And it's really just letting people live their lives, unfold in the ways that they need to, and heal and transform the ways that are appropriate for them. Right. Well, somebody told me they grew back three teeth. So (laughs) I'd have to see proof of that. I know that I know that uh, I have often, and I actually compare regenetics to wave genetics in potentiate your DNA. And I've thought a lot about uh, some of the experiments that were done by Garayev and Poponin, and they did actually have some people grow back teeth. And, um, but they, they, you know, they described that as being kind of uncontrollable, like it can happen, but um, it's not necessarily uh, that that technology hasn't evolved to where they can say, I'm going to regrow the second molar. You know, it's just kind of random the way it happens. So I'm not saying it would be impossible, but I've never heard of anyone actually regrowing teeth. Now I have healed cavities and things like that in association with this work. And apparently we can't even, we're not even supposed to be able to heal cavities and other people have reported that sort of thing. So that's kind of fascinating. Um, Healed three teeth and it was other, uh, um, a painful previous break in the jaw that all healed. It all went away. Uh, I mean, they, they took a year sabbatical and then they felt so much better. And, you know, um, are you and, talking about the person you were speaking with? Yes. Yeah. So she had been doing this work for a while. It had been, a, she loves your work and she loves you and everything. I mean, you've just changed her life and that's how, that's how she found me. Well, she was watching your, you know, your podcast. And then there I was, right? Then she can't, then she found me. Then we ran into each other on Discord. She didn't even know I was there. Oh, I love it. I, love I mean, it. it was just all this strange stuff that started happening. And it's a small simulation, Cheryl. <laughs> it really is. And I was just going, what is going on here? But my life has not been the same since. I don't know. It's like to see what ago. happens moving forward. It's going to be, I, I want to be a fly on the wall as you move forward because who knows what will happen. Could be very exciting. I don't know. I'm just going with it. You know, whatever happens. And, and I was even thinking, you know, I, I've had this place in my chest. It's always been painful, you know, and I bet that can heal some too. I think it can heal a lot. I'm thinking it all the time because you said it, it could last like nine months or, and I don't know if it goes away, you know, the, all the energy, but I can, I can stay up all night, clean the house if I want to. And I, I'm, I can still sit here and do this with you. The energy, it just doesn't stop. And, and, and then if I lay down, I can just he- hear the energy. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but I, Hey, when the world gets weird, the weird go pro, I'm just going pro soft. <laughs> 
I'm just going to do it. I'm going to live my life to the fullest. I've had a lot of challenges and a lot of struggles and I'm just going with it. I'm just going to, you know, do the next spontaneous thing that feels right. And I think that part of our connection was you come in because you've got this great healing modality and it's changing my life. And I'm not, I don't, I don't have as much pain as I did two weeks ago. I feel so much better. And I went and looked at back at a podcast I'd done like, you know, three months ago and then compared the two. It's two different people sitting there. <laughs> wow. Fascinating. Yeah. I'd have to I don't, look I don't even look the same. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you read through testimonials, I mean, people have sometimes people's faces change. We've had people's eye color change. We've had hair, very, very significant hair and skin changes. I mean, just some really, really bizarre stuff, uh, kind of amazing things. But I, I will say I mean, the energy does keep going. But one of the beauties uh, of this work is that it's raising your vibration. And what that means is you begin attracting different possibilities into your life in a positive way, like this benefactor you mentioned. That's a perfect example. And so it could be that you you attract in uh, a different type of healing work or uh, or modality or who knows what that you then go with and you it leads to improved outcomes and you just keep following the breadcrumb trail. Right. You know, and so, so it, it doesn't appear causal from the standpoint of this work. And yet I would say this was the work that initiated the breadcrumb trail. It did initiate it. I know that it did. And here's the next thing. See, it just keeps going, Saul. Here's the next thing, you know? And, and then I realize it's like, you know, I can, I, I can manifest anything I want to. And I can manifest anything I need to do the creative work I want to. Then I figured out that the benefactor became, and she's a lovely lady. She became my friend. She's my friend. I don't need her help. She, she's my friend and we work together now and we were working together last night, helping this other person that's, you know, their face, they're trying to, you know, get themselves back up on their feet. Right. And they're trying to get better because they're really struggling right now and they're trying to heal and get better. And there we were, and, you know, and then I just got, a, I heard a little buzz and this Cheryl, can you come over here? And I said, well, sure. I just showed up. We ended up helping this person a whole lot, you know? But once it was over, she was just like, okay, I think I can do this now, you know, and we didn't fix it for, her. I think that we just held space and all this energy flowing, right? And I think it just helped the situation. So it ended up being, I discovered that I can do everything I need to do and I can do it cooperatively. And the person that came in that, you know, she's like at first, well, I'll help you, but see, I can do everything I need to do. She's we're that we're not there to like she's not to do stuff for me and I'm not to do stuff for her. We're there to co-create together, right? And do it That's together awesome. and and do this work together. And she's going to write a book and it's going to be called Love Wins. It's going to be all about what love is and what it isn't. And we're see you just gave me a piece to that because we needed that because we were trying to work on the whole dark ugly thing. You know, it's like oh, there's a lot of baggage on that word, and you just gave me what I needed. I love it. I love it. See, and now, now we've got the ugly duckling and, and that's going to go into the book too. I mean, I, we will note your, um, we will put you in the, what is it? Where, where you say, and we got this from here. <laughs> All right. Like a bibliography or a citation. Yeah. 
and we'll put you there. But this book is going to be about, you know, there's so much confusion around what love is, you know, and you get these songs like, what is love? Don't hurt me, right? Don't hurt me. No, <laughs> love never hurts anybody. <laughs> What's hurting you is is your ugly duckling. The ugly duckling is what hurts. It's mm. not love. Love feels great. And love is something you give to others. It's not something you give. I mean, get. It's not, it's not something you get. It's something you push out of yourself and mm. your being and you give to others. But then it comes back. And then then people love you. And it's a it's an exchange of information. It's not, you know, uh, it's not that, you know, that romantic love, you know, when you first meet someone and you feel that thing, it feels like love. But really, I think that's just, you know, attraction. I think that's just instinctual that stuff that brings us together. Yes, there's components of love there. But what we're talking about is this other kind of love where when you're a loving low entropy being, right? Low entropy means you're very coherent. And, and I think that this term love describes this being. You have low entropy. And in this being, you are able to give love to others. You And it's something you push out and you give to them without wanting anything in return. You just give it because you care, because you care about them. And, you know, you want them to feel good and you want them to have you know, love when they need it. And I think that this, you know, we've gone so long without really experiencing the real love, which is selfless. It's selfless. You're giving it, you know, not so you can get something, you're giving it to, to be kind and caring to others. And that's where we're at now. We're working on it, but she's been just an inspiration to me. I tell you, I think we're, I think we're inspiring each other. But the thing is, she went through the potentiation process too so what is going on here Saul I don't know you tell me it's beautiful <laughs> I love your your thoughts on love and the book sounds fascinating I look forward to checking that out when it's uh, when it's available she wants to do it and we're going to work on it and you know and it's kind of like in in relationships right they end up being a relationship of need because if you really love someone else you, you don't want to control them. You don't want to tell them what to do. You don't want them to have to do, you know, yeah, we do each other because we love each other, not because you feel obligated to do it. See, that's a relationship of need. That's not love. <laughs> love is allowing each other to be who you are. And when there, when love is flowing between both people, there's not a lot of arguing. Does that make sense? It's true. It's true. And to me, it all always goes back to the unhealed shadow self stuff that we were discussing earlier. So there's a lot that can be done through recapitulation and other techniques. I think a lot of people experience a lot of deep emotional healing and healing of trauma when they go through the regenetics process. That's been very helpful. There's a technique out there called somatic experiencing that's very good for trauma. So there's a lot of very good modalities to help people get out of that that high entropy state and move forward and evolve their consciousness and become everything they can be and they can keep their coherence together and through each struggle they're going to evolve and become just the powerful creators we all are here amen so i think that's great should we just call it a wrap Let's call it a wrap. I think that's a lot to chew on. That was a lot of fun. We ended we ended on love. What else could be better? 
We did, didn't we? Well, we you know did. what, Carol? <laughs> I love the you. evolution of consciousness. We ended up with love. <laughs> I just love you. I just love you too, Saul. <laughs> and we're just going to keep on loving them until their ugly ducklings turn into swans. The end, or should I say the beginning? <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs>